everyone. It's Katrin Becker. Welcome to The Good, Bad, and Ugly of Business. Today, I am joined by Melanie Webb. Melanie is an amazing leader and innovator within the fitness and wellness space. She and I met in Prague, Czech Republic, almost almost exactly three years ago to this date. We've kept in contact through that time, and I am so excited to bring her on this show and introduce her to all of you. So welcome, Melanie. Thank you, Katrin. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, it is wonderful to connect again after all those all those years and to see where you've gone and grown in your business. I think a lot has changed and I'm so excited to hear about it. Likewise. Likewise. What a fun adventure we had in Prague. And it's so fun to reconnect with you three years later through the wires, through the ether. So thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. And how blessed were we to be able to travel internationally before COVID shut the world down? Right. A couple of months later and the smackdown came. So we were right on time. Yes, we were. Everything is always right on time. Yes. <laughs> so tell the listeners more about what it is that you do. Well, I would consider myself a full-blown entrepreneur at this point where I'm all constantly having creative ideas after 25 years working in the fitness and the outdoor industries. So I've kind of reached that point in my career where I woke up one day and thought, I think I've got something to say. And I think I've been doing something unique and have a a different twist on industries that we're all familiar with. So I'm, I'm primarily positioned in the fitness industry right now. And I focus on all things mind, body, and nature and view those as the three pillars of wellness. So I've written a course that's available for fitness professionals, and that's called Mother Nature's Gym. And I'm working on an app, which is in beta right now in Apple and Google and soon to be released. I'm very excited about that. It's a fitness and wellness app. And I'm building an online community so that I can interact with more people who I can't work with in person. Oh, I love that. And I love that you have nature as one of the pillars, because I think nature is so overlooked as an important part of wellness. Like, in fact, (laughs) there was an article that I saw the other day, and I think it was in a pretty well-regarded magazine or journal. And it was talking about, you know, we know the benefits of getting out in the sun during the summer, but there's actually benefits in getting out in the winter too. And it's like, yeah, the benefits just being outside. (laughs) The benefits of just being outside are profound and many and so undervalued in our fast-paced technological world. Um, But the fact is we've just fallen far from the tree of our human ancestors and the knowledge that they had and the fact that- Quite literally far from the tree. Quite literally so far from the tree. And, And in spite of these amazing ways we can connect with each other now, which are phenomenal and blessings. Yeah, we we've lost connection with where we came from and that's the planet, Mother Earth, the soil, and it's nurturing to us in so many ways, especially our brains for mental health. So yeah, even in spite of winter, it was 12 degrees outside when I woke up today. And I confess I did not get outside yet, but (laughs) I will be outside today at some point because it's still good for you, even if it's not direct penetration of that vitamin D from the sun on our skin. Oh, absolutely. We know that it still comes through clouds and all that goodness. You know, it's, it's become aware, you know, our sort of Western culture about forest bathing and the the Japanese tradition of doing that. Why do you think in your opinion and what you've seen that it's, it's not as accepted in the West as it seems to be in the East? They seem to have kept that connection in a way that we haven't. Mm. 
Well, you know, what I know of the history of forest bathing as well is that the government got behind it Mm. because at some point the suicide rate in Japan had escalated due to the stress they were under performing in their careers and their professions and their school and academics. So people were literally on a daily basis, you know, throwing themselves from tall buildings and being cleaned up off of the streets. Mm. And the government recognized that its people were its greatest asset and that it was not going to succeed economically and financially if its people were not well. And so the government got behind this medical movement and they were leaders in doing the research of what happens when you're in the forest and, you know, had medical doctors positioned on hiking trails where you could actually put nodes on your frontal cortex and measure and see that your cognitive capabilities, you know, you're, they, this is where the monkey mind originates. I'm pointing yeah. to my forehead, but this is <laughs> a podcast, you know, the, the frontal lobe is behind your forehead and that's where all our noisy thoughts live, Right. And they found that walking in the forest actually quiets that part of your brain. And it doesn't have to be forest, of course. It's any part of nature compared to an urban environment. And in addition to that, your systolic heart rate, your systolic blood pressure drops by 10 points when you're walking outdoors compared to walking or walking outdoors in a natural environment compared to walking in an urban environment. So all these physiological effects, again, just indicating that we are one with our environments. And when we're in a stressful environment, our body is stressed compared to when we're in a more natural environment. And anyway, that's the history of what I know of what brought forest bathing back to the forefront um, is it's actually a really modern take on, of course, an ancient knowledge that we had. And that's fascinating. Why haven't we got behind it? I wish I knew the answer to that. We seem to be you know, Western Western United States culture seems to be very reactive in our stance toward health and well-being. And, uh, you know, it's we're still in that box of like, we'll take a pill. Uh, you know, we want the quick fix. Do you think it's because they can't monetize nature? Yeah. How do you how do you monetize it? Um, how do you make a commodity that we're not the way we seem to monetize nature is by exploiting it. And it has value if we can extract and sell. And that seems to be our way of the manifest destiny of, of you know, where you and I are essentially Westerners, right? Yeah. <laughs> of the United States. And, and that's why this was founded was go out West and claim your land and, and manifest your destiny. And I think that just has these deep rooted origins in the way we view the planet. And where I live in Utah, you know, land has value if we can create recreation dollars around it and support cities economically by people coming as tourists. But just a mountain to look at, I feel like we're still coming around to that. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I I hope we can speed it up. And so I love what you're you're doing out there to bring this to people and to help them to recognize that, yeah, we're stressed. Yeah, we're exhausted. Just step outside. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately your, your parasympathetic nervous system will do what we call downregulate. So, you know, I live in the world of wellness. So I, I speak these biology terms and physiology terms. The nervous system has two, basically two lanes. The sympathetic nervous system is when we're in our go-go mode and the parasympathetic nervous system is 
where the brain is working, guiding the body to digest our food, fall asleep, relax, and stepping outside can help you instantly just transition into that mode. So it's good for the body and the brain. Oh, beautifully said. And I love how you, you know, kind of take something that not everyone's aware of and make it such a simple, easy to understand piece because language is so important, I think, in how we communicate and being able to, you know, once you start studying something, your language changes, you know, it evolves and you have this more elevated language, but then you lose the ability to communicate it back to those who, who don't know. And having that ability to that hand forward to help bring the people into your understanding, it's, it's quite a gift. Thank you. That's what I hope WebWell becomes is like, let's, let's just take this old knowledge and bring it, make it modern knowledge again and make it accessible to everybody. And probably make it exciting too. Exciting and fun. I mean, I'm obviously clearly really passionate about this. It lights my fire every day. So I love when I see the lights come on in somebody's eyes as they discover this again or for the first time. Absolutely. So, you know, this obviously is a passion of yours. It's just, you exude it. It's very clear. Is this something that's always been a passion or was there a path for you to get to this place? Mm, Great question. I realized looking back that it was just always there. So I, I was raised in Northern Utah. I I like to see at the, at the base of a a beautiful mountain that's about 12,000 feet high called Mountain Pinogas. And I would wake up every day and just imprint on that presence of a mountain. And um, my father was a biologist and he taught AP biology and he, he had me in science camps for girls since the time I could remember. I was immersed in anatomy and physiology and, you know, going out bird watching with him and collecting insects. And I just had this really, I, I do think it's a gift that I came to the planet with was this innate love of beauty and love of nature and feeling just at one there and very comfortable. But then having my father mentor me that this is a safe place for me to be as a girl and as a woman and um, making sure that I had that relationship and, you know, his ancestry and my mother's as well. They lived very close to the land. We've always been gardeners and raised our own food in some way. That was part of our family culture was growing food and spending time in the garden and raising it and eating it and being grateful for it and giving thanks for it and recognizing that it nourished our bodies and our health. And, um, and in addition to that, you know, I played sports and, um, I was a very competitive athlete growing up. And so I kind of had these two worlds of fitness and being in physical therapy, so the body piece with the nature piece. And so when I, yeah, as my career progressed, that, that's what I decided to pursue was I ultimately ended up with almost two bachelor's degrees when you add up all the credits in like biology <laughs> and, and, um, athletic training and human physiology. And then. And then as my my career took me to Washington DC as an environmental consultant and then and then I transitioned back to fitness and was working in a gym strictly in a gym training clients like 8 hours a day 6 days a week sometimes I did 11 clients a day this the book talking about a lot. Business, talking about the good the bad and the ugly of <laughs> business was like feeling literally kind of exploited as a trainer by my managers and the owners of the clubs to just take on more clients and produce more income and sales. And like, and I loved my clients, but that was such an unhealthy rhythm for me. So I had gone from being this, you know, real nature girl and living really in the wild remote places as a a wildlife biologist for three years to the 
pretty girl. <laughs> and my batteries got very drained after seven years of of not knowing how to reboot and just not understanding that they're, you know, I, I only had one pace and it was go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> and I was young and I was excited about my career and I was at the top of my game as a trainer. And it was just, yeah, one of those good, bad and ugly lessons I had to learn in business was that I have to hit the reset button myself. And I, I love the pace I'm working at now with clients because I know how to nurture my own energy now. So when I come into that space with them, I'm really able to hold a more loving, energizing space for them and make that session all about them and, and make sure that they are being nurtured when they come to work with me. And it's so true, especially for entrepreneurs. And I think it's a very common thread that all entrepreneurs experience, but there's some sort of level of sacrifice. You know, as an entrepreneur, you're everything. You know, you yeah. have to wear all the hats, even if you have a team behind you, there's still so much uh, where it's, you know, in a corporate setting, there's much more of a siloed aspect of everyone kind of has their role in their lane. But as an entrepreneur, that's much more muddled, if you will. So other than what you just described, were there other sacrifices that you have made to get you to this point? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sacrifices. I mean, I was telling telling a friend the other day, I said, you know, Books don't get written and apps don't get created by being with people all the time. You know, for two and a half years now, I've been working to create an app and that's a lot of solitary time. Of course, there are partners who I love interacting with on a regular basis and creating content with people, but it's a really solitary pursuit and it's a creative idea that you're nurturing. And for me, it becomes a flow state when I'm working on these things. Um, or when I'm writing my book, when I wrote my course, it took six weeks to just brain dump everything I'd been practicing for 10 years. Yeah. And and the writing of that was actually really easy and fluid. Like it just, it just flowed, but that that's time alone at your computer or with your manuscript or, you know, outside walking and thinking. Um, so sacrificing relationship. I've certainly done that as an entrepreneur. I've not, I've, and you can look at that in, yeah, I created these things and that required me to step aside and these things wouldn't have gotten done without that. And you can look at it like, what have I missed out on? Because I did that. And, and you know, sometimes I looked at, at my life as like, okay, I'm, I'm single. I don't have children. What's my opportunity in this? And I think you and I have connected over yeah. that before you as a mother and a wife. And for me, I just didn't want to let a second go to waste. I didn't want to let I didn't want to give one second thought to being sad about what I didn't have, although I desired it very much and I still do. I just wanted to recognize the gift in the present moment that I've been given and take responsibility for it, that I had some gifts and I had some experience that I felt the world needed. And when that when that realization came to me is when I stepped out of any kind of fear I had of not using my voice to share and and started stepping forward and i think it's been it's been really fun. Well, i think what you said right there is so important because especially as women you know our one of our legacy is seen as our children. But i think it's all about what legacy what imprint we leave on this earth when we're no longer physically here. You know, what is our level of significance? I think that's what every human is striving for is that significance and that legacy. 
and you're just doing it in a different way. And you think about, you know, what mothers have sacrificed their dreams and their careers. Yeah. Children. It's, it's the same coin, just two different sides of it. You know, there's sacrifice in, in, in each side and, and women particularly have sacrificed their dreams and careers so much more often to fulfill that part of them. And it's a shame that we're not able to have it all or have it, it all consist can uh, not consistently congruently. That's not the word at, at the, the same time. Simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. Catherine, the way you just said that it, it is a different path for a woman. I was at a women's event last night, actually uh, here in, in Utah, where I live and different women's organizations, supporting women entrepreneurs and trying to give women financial power and education and recognizing that until we have that, until we have that, there is no real equality. And yeah, the sacrifices, I agree 100% that it's just, I'm, I'm living on just a different side of the coin of a woman's experience. And that I, I respect so much the sacrifice of a woman who becomes a wife and a mother and leaves her career for a time to give her best self to those, to raise those little humans who yeah. are here on earth, you know, it is a sacrifice. And then, and then to whether you, whether you're able to keep a foot in your career, which my sisters have done and, and my mother did, and my grandmothers did, they had these passions and, and they've been able to walk that balance of having a, a profession as they raise children. But again, that's just who Michelle Obama had a way of saying, like, every woman is valuable. Every woman has, has worth, whether you are a mother, whether you are single, like even having well, this conversation is so different. And what you are doing is birthing in something into the world. You know, it's yeah. all creation, yeah. you know, as I turned 40 this year and, and thinking, you know, we, I have two children. Is this something else I want to do? And I was like, I feel like there is another birth coming. It's just not a human. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, like there is yeah. still that piece of creation and bringing forth something that, and it's not easy, you know, it, it's not easy in either aspect, whether it's through, through whatever means that creation comes into the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Creative energy is a gift. It's a blessing. It's, and it's part of our innateness as a human being. And I, I just find it very generative. Like it's, it's the thing that, that renews energy as you use it to create. And you're right. It manifests in all forms. And I believe that's what we're here to do. I love that this is the direction our conversation went because (laughs) I had no I, I mean, I go into these not having any sort of preconceived notions of, of where it's going to go, but it's always inspiring the questions that come up based on the person that I'm with and and the amazing things because 50% of the you know world is, a, is female. You know, they can absolutely relate to this. And the other half of the world is supporting the females, whether it's through partnership in business and romance and um, however it comes to be, because, you know, we can forget that men do have a part in making babies too. One hundred percent. Yep. Honor them, respect them, value them, grateful for them. Yes, and that <laughs> place that they that they serve and 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 bring in for that is is incredible. Well, I know that I am very excited to see the the amazing Web Well app that you've created and to learn more about that. What tips do you have for the person working in an office? on how they can 
bring more nature um, into their life? Mm, that's a really fantastic question. So here's another another cool word for your listeners. It's called biophilia. And Ooh. it was, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really coming into its own now, probably a solid at least 30 years, 30 to 40 years after the term was coined by by um, an ecologist named E.O. Wilson, who did some phenomenal work about nature. And what all it means, all it boils down to is that we as humans have this affinity for nature and you can improve your office life just by having a plant on your desk. Or if you're lucky enough to have a window with a view of something beautiful outside, like in my case here, um, I'm looking right now at this beautiful winterscape of of trees outside the office. With snow oh, on that them. sounds and amazing. Like, oh, and I can see icicles hanging from the roof and blue sky. But yeah, it's as easy as a plant. You know, it, you could have an essence or an essential oil of your favorite flower smell or something woody, right? That helps. Um, soil is actually a huge trend this year in wellness. So um, as it's related to the micro, the biome, right? Our, our microbiome, our gut flora is... Um, made better when we get our hands in the dirt. So if you're someone who likes plants and you want to pot some plants at home, that's actually, that interaction with the soil is super good for you. You can take it into your office. Should you wear gloves when you're doing that? No. Is it better to be? All right. You heard it here first. First, no gloves. Barehanded, right? And I know you love gardening as well. Do do you wear gloves? Sometimes I confess that I wear gloves if I'm like, you know, working with tools and hoeing and everything. So um, my husband bought me these gloves that have claws on the end. So it's like a trowel, <laughs> but with your hand. No. And I kind of love it. I feel like a badger. <laughs> That's very cool. Gets keep the nails cleaner too. It, it keeps the nails cleaner and it just, yeah. I feel more control with the soil. And when I'm tilling it, you know, I have some raised garden beds that I work with. Mm. So instead of just having the, the trowel and not necessarily having the the same control, I'll use the gloves with claws. But when I'm planting seeds, I always do that barehanded. Love it. Yeah. So do I. So do I. And the harvest has to be barehanded. I want to touch these things. For sure. Yeah. I just had my first spaghetti squash that I grew. Yeah. So we harvested them <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> just yesterday, you're still harvesting vegetables? Yes. I still even have green beans on oh. mine. Oh my goodness. I know. That is the one benefit of it being 80 degrees uh, in December. Uh. That's so cool. Wow. You're so lucky to grow like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel that way when I was planting them in August. (laughs) August. Wow. It was super hot. It was super hot. Yeah. But knowing that, you know, we've got this later season, you know, I could put in the work in August and and know that I would have all fall to, to reap the rewards of it. Yeah. What a great growing season. You know, I was, I was thinking about back to your question about how people in an office can bring nature in. Or, or get that. That's um, so. One of the things we wanted to do on the app, or I wanted this was my vision, the nature part. Um, there's no music on the app to the workouts. There is music, so I organized it. I said, okay, if I were creating my own brick and mortar wellness oasis web, well, what would that consist of? Okay, there would be a movement studio where we do the exercise and the movement, and then there would be a relaxation room for the mindfulness component, and woven throughout would be some nature, right? Um, and they'd like spill out into these oases, like the pools and the fountains that you see around places like Prague and old Europe, like when we yeah. were walking around those cobblestone sidewalks and everything between those old buildings. And if you remember, 
there were always these water fountains and gathering places. So the well was this gathering place and exchange of information, literally capturing the well spring out of that experience as as we were in Prague. um, Wow. And this gathering idea. And um, so there's a lot of water sounds on the app in the relaxation room. So there's, there is a channel that does have some music. There's a channel that has guided breath work and there's a channel that has guided imagery. And um, all of those have a sound of nature throughout. And we did not use music in any of the guided meditations or the workouts specifically because I wanted silence. I wanted to create an atmosphere that was quiet for people. And you can stream your own music in the background. You can listen to whatever you want. But when you enter WebWell, I want it to be an environment that is set apart from mm. the noise of every day. And um, I'm really excited. I was, I'm working with a, a, a friend and a peer named Teddy Searle, who is a really, you know, she shares my passion for nature. She's from Washington state and she has been making some really fun 10 hour long streaming sounds of the ocean or of, um, nighttime at camp sort of things. So there's those kind of streaming soundscapes of nature that you can stream in the background or put your headphones on while you're working quietly at your desk and bring that nature to you. So even the sounds of nature can have an impact on us. I absolutely love that. And I, I love the duality of the name. I had only been thinking it in terms of wellness and not in a wellspring and, you know, that, that, that well of knowledge. I mean, it plays on so many different (laughs) places. That's so great. That's, that's so great. And you bring up such a good point, which I, I think we'll have to have another, (laughs) another session to go more deeper into it. But I think the world has gotten so noisy that it's actually creating deafness. Oh, beautiful. That we're so One way to say that. We're so deaf to to so many things and um creating that space for silence is is really really important and what a beautiful inspiration you had to to include that in your your app. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. One one of the reviews um on the app is something about like, Oh, I was shocked when I got there, there was no sound and I didn't know what to do. And then I heard the sound of a bird in the background. And I just was like, Oh, like, so I mean, that's one of my happiest uh, reviews that I like to look at to reinforce that. Like it does resonate and it it. is such a stark contrast. And yes, silence, the new luxury. (laughs) I mean, what a thing, right? (laughs) What a thing. It's kind of like when the first person bottled water and people were like, who would buy bottled water? Like water's free. And now we kind of have to like bottle silence. Yeah, we do. How to do that. That's your first patent. Yeah, we need to get, we need to figure out what's the next thing coming that we it's so obvious that we can get ahead of it. Let's get ahead of that. Let's get on that, partner. (laughs) I love it, Melanie. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time and being here. And thank you for honoring your passion and mission and bringing that to fruition, bringing that to all of us um, so that we can all benefit. Thank you, Katrin. It's been a pleasure. So fun to reconnect and see your face again. Yes. Always, always a pleasure. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for, for listening. I can't wait to hear what beautiful things you picked up from Melanie and make sure that you are on the lookout for the WellWeb app. I know it will change your life. Have a great day.